Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness, given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. Well, my name is Nate. Good to be the pastor here at New City. Glad you are here today. Hey, uh, our facility is coming along, okay? Today is not going to be our last Sunday in this face, as was once said out loud. I, I told our staff team, I'm not going to give anybody any dates until we're pretty certain. And then I gave some dates, and they got really uncertain really quick. And one of the things that happened uh, was that uh, metal studs, believe it or not, uh, were our building material that's hard to get, and uh, COVID has affected all of our lives. And the things I didn't expect COVID to affect were supply chain uh, related issues. And so, for example, the metal studs were, were, were going to be potentially way uh, delayed, and uh, so we committed to pray about it. Um, I got on the phone and started calling people just randomly. Hey, do you have any metal studs? And turns out that wasn't a good strategy. Uh, but prayer worked, and so we found some. And and uh, so the walls are up, and and drywalls going up, and all that stuff is happening. Our um, our, our new speakers uh, had uh, arrived, which we were really excited about for the for the space because we ordered them in February, but because of the supply chain, they just arrived. And then the new speakers arrived, and they were wrong. And so that's uh, not good news. And so we, uh, we ordered some other, you know, they, they, they recognized they made the error and they're sending uh, the appropriate speakers all that say, uh, we are on track uh, uh, now. And I told our contractor, I said, hey, here's the good news. Like we, our lease runs out in this space in September. And so our first Sunday has to be October. Uh, so uh, like you have to do it, you know? And he's like, okay. Uh, I was like, no, no, you have to do it. So I think we're going to, I think we're going to be good. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be all really good. There's some dates coming up, uh, September 29th, a uh, uh, leadership event that we're throwing for the city. Uh, with Steve Cuss, it's a managing leadership anxiety deal. That night, September 29th, we're going to have uh, a worship gathering at the new space, and so that's going to be a fantastic night of worship and dedication and bathing the space uh, in the Word of God. We'll be using Ephesians 3 as our guiding text for that night of worship, and uh, I'm just really excited for it. And then, uh, so the hope is October 3rd will be our first Sunday uh, in the new space. Uh, God is already letting us leverage the space for good uh, in our city, and I'm really, really glad that uh, the Lord open some doors for us to do some great things uh, with the facility. So what, what I want you to pray for, if you want to pray with me on this, is that we are, we are really hoping uh, to be able to utilize this space throughout the week as a way to engage our neighborhood, to be present in the neighborhood that God's called us to. And we've got some ideas of how that could happen, but we're really working hard uh, to ensure those things uh, will happen in this space. So Monday through Friday, you'll see people engage, from the community, from the neighborhood, from the city, engaging in the space on a regular basis. All right, so our teaching today is in, 
in Ephesians 6. So if you get a Bible, you want to open up there, Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10 and following. Uh, if you've got an app, you can open up there. If you like to read uh, this text along the screen, you can do that as well. Uh, the big idea here is, and I, and I, you know, here it is. I mean, to be strong and withstand evil days, you need strength beyond your strength. So to be strong and withstand evil days. Uh, I think when the text calls out evil days, you'll see it here in a second, evil days means like days that are particularly evil. That You know how there are some days that are more evil than other days? Uh, you need a strength that's beyond your strength to weather the evil days. Uh, you see in verse 10 the main idea here that um, Paul is trying to get across to the church. He says, finally... As I leave you here, as I'm writing the final words of this particular letter to you, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Uh, so he is not giving a message of self-actualization here. He's not saying you can do it, pull yourself up from your bootstraps, go face the challenge. He goes, no, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might or the power of His might. And then later in verse 13, he says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And so there is an evil day. Uh, for the church at this particular time, the evil day was the coming persecution of Christians. And if you want a modern day sort of, you know, window into that, just look to Afghanistan. Uh, there are many uh, Christian people now who are in hiding and who are fearful, and there will probably be many Christian pastors and church, uh, church attenders of the houses of Afghanistan that might lose their life in the coming days. This is a reality around the world. Uh, a few years ago, I was in Thailand and talking to a pastor who had come across the border from Myanmar, and I said, hey, pastor, what's one of the big challenges you're facing in ministry today? And he said, well, um, last week my church was firebombed and it burned down, and so we're building again so we can have a place to assemble. I was like, okay, uh, so my metal stud problems, you know, <laughs> just don't compare, right, to being bombed, right? I mean, so, I mean, real evil days. Uh, this week I, I had... Um, the unfortunate opportunity uh, to speak to a mom who had lost a, a grandmother, who had lost a child to violence at school. The, Benny was, was shot and killed at school, and we're just, I'm just trying to empathize with that evil day. And I, I tell you, it's very, very difficult to empathize with that evil day. One of the ways that God's going to new, use this new facility for us is that we're going to be able to host Benny's funeral in that facility, and I'm very Glad that we're going to be able to use that space for good uh, in our city and provide an opportunity for, for mourning for families experiencing the evil day. There, there are evil days. And you may have had your own evil day recently. Maybe you're in the evil day now. And you're experiencing it. And you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. The good news is you don't have to do it alone. The good news is be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. The good news is there is a strength beyond your strength that you have access to, and that strength beyond your strength that you have access to is God's strength. And how does it work? I'm, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know how it works. All I know is what the text says, and I, I, don't, know, I don't know how it works. I don't know how God gives us strength. To, because some days are so evil. Like I, Some days are so evil that it's hard to imagine how anybody could have the strength to see themselves through that evil day. I do know this, the strength of God is received spiritually. 
it is experienced, I think, and exercised in two ways primarily, although it is experienced and exercised in a physical way, and sometimes it manifests in a physical way, but, but typically when God's strength shows up, it's a certain kind of psychological resolve, a certain kind of emotional resolve that God gives you in the moment. It's, it seems as though that God meets you in your mind and in your heart, and He goes, hey, listen, my son Jesus came and he lived the life you could not live. He died on the cross. He was broken for all the brokenness of this world. He was buried in the grave. He rose again. He conquered everything that was broken and he's making everything new. So every sad thing you're experiencing of life is overcome in the Lord Jesus. And when the Spirit whispers that to you, somehow you get some kind of resolve. You're like, this has already been overcome. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Be strong. There is a wrestling in life. There's a wrestling in life. And the wrestling in life is sometimes supernatural. There is a, there is a version of the Christian message that says you become a Christian, everything's going to go great with you, but that's just not the Bible version of the Christian message. Uh, the, the, the truth is when you become a Christian, the enemy now is more against you than he was before. And we have opposition. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not our battle. Our battle is not against people. But against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm... Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Look, we have an enemy, and the enemy does this thing. This is why I say it manifests both psychologically and emotionally, the sort of spiritual strength that God gives, because the enemy's primary tool is one of accusation. The, minute, the enemy is one who, uh, who schemes and accuses. Now, I'm going, if you're new to Christianity, you're like, whoa, this got really weird, okay? Um, Here's, here's, what, here's what we believe. There is an enemy, and that enemy has uh, lots of other uh, demonic beings at his disposal, and they are active and at work in the world. And the enemy comes into people's lives and he accuses. In fact, the, the word devil just means accuser. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, his schemes. So there is a, there's a devil, an accuser, and the accuser is scheming. So when Paul says, fix your eyes on not only what is seen, but what is unseen, what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal, uh, there, 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 is this, there's, there are these realities, there are these seen realities, and there are these unseen realities. But they, they live over top of one another. And so right now, there's, an uns there's a seen reality that you and I see. That's a physical one. There's an unseen reality. It's a spiritual one. And what's happening in the physical world is, is being impacted by what's happening in the spiritual world. And one of the things the enemy does and has the ability to do is to accuse. That's how he works. He's a masterful liar. Our, our enemy lies, and he's really, really good at it. Uh, Jesus says in, uh, to some Pharisees in, in John 8, he says, You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, but he is a liar and the father of lies. That's his thing. So there's an enemy in the spiritual realm who does accusing work. He does deceptive work because deception is Satan's specialty. And sometimes he masquerades like an angel of light, says 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. Satan disguises himself. And sometimes he says, hey, I'm showing up in, in light, and what he's really doing is showing up in darkness. And so I just want you to connect the dots here, just sort of biblically and just speaking about this sort of plainly. Every, listen, every dark thing you have experienced has its origin in a single deceitful question. If you've experienced death, it goes back to a single, single deceitful question. If you've experienced sickness, it goes back to a single deceptive question. If you've experienced sin against you that's harmed you in some profound way, the origin of that goes back to a single deceptive question. And when you go back to Genesis chapter 3, you see that the serpent was craftier than any other beast of the field. And what did the serpent do? He went up to Eve and he said, did God really say? And he just masquerades. He, he's, he's sly, and he's cunning, and he's clever, and he prompts, and he just sort of asks a question, and that one question, one little deception, is what brought death to the world. There is an enemy, and he is clever, and he does deceive, and he does accuse. We cannot avoid the spiritual tussle. Like, you're not going to be able to avoid it. The spiritual tussle is going to be something you will have if you're a Christian. You're going to have it. The enemy does not about your witness at work. The enemy is not about your witness to your church. The enemy is not about you talking about Jesus and how he saves sinners. The enemy doesn't like that. Enemy doesn't like the work you're doing to put Jesus on display, to make him famous in the world. Enemy doesn't like it. And we cannot avoid the spiritual tussle. Nor can we downplay the power of the dark spiritual forces at work in the world. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so what is Paul saying? He's saying that the demonic realm has rulers and authorities and cosmic powers. Some contemporary commentators say, yeah, the enemy works through power structures. Maybe that's something that's, that's here, but it's very, very difficult to sort of see that as the main point. The main point is that the enemy is, is powerful, and he represents that power in power structures that are spiritual. And I think our present darkness, the one that we're living through collectively, has the fingerprints of the enemy all over it. It just does. Seems to be it does. Now, I'm going to share something with you that may just make, put me in the weird category for you, okay? And so I'm just totally willing to be weird for Jesus, all right? I'm, I'm old enough to have been a Jesus freak, you know, at one time in my life. And I'm just going to just gonna get freaky weird with you, okay? And I'm sorry, and, uh, but this is just who, you know, who I am. Uh, years ago, when we felt like the Lord was calling us to plant New City Church, I went by myself to the volcanoes on the west side of Albuquerque, and I had a prayer time. 
And I walked up this trail, uh, up to this particular volcano, and I looked out, and you could see the whole city from there, and I just prayed. Now, I had been reading the Bible through the year, uh, and I was just kind of, you know, been touching on just various pieces of Old Testament text, and I just, I felt supernaturally, and I don't, you know, could have been the green chili burrito. I'm always open to that, all right? I hadn't had that really a whole lot coming from South Florida. I was more into the, you know, uh, black beans, rice, and plantains. And, uh, but, you know, it could, have been, it could have been that Blake's breakfast burrito because you eat one of those. You don't need to eat for like a whole other week. And, and so I may, may have been that, but I felt the Lord was leading me to Daniel 10. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to be vulnerable with you and sharing this with you. So I went to Daniel 10, and I, and I read, Fear not, Daniel. This is Gabriel speaking to Daniel. For from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words have been heard. And so Daniel's been praying. And as he's praying, Gabriel is engaged in a spiritual conflict with spiritual authority. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael... One of the chief princes came to help me. So Michael's another angel of God that came to help Gabriel. For I was left there with the king of Persia. And so it seems apparent to me in the text that in the spiritual world there was a tussle. And Gabriel was tussling with a spiritual prince of sorts of Persia. There was some conflict happening in the spiritual world that was probably overlapping in the, in the physical world at that particular moment. And, and as, Gabriel's pray, or as, as Daniel's praying, Gabriel is, is being uh, sent to answer, be an answer to that prayer. There's some moving around of angelic beings and the tussle and the fight of it all. And it seems to me that the biblical teaching is that the physical and spiritual histories overlap each other. That when you look at the physical history of something, you can probably identify something about the spiritual history of that particular place or, or, or you know. I'll just say, like, when you study the history of New Mexico, the physical history of New Mexico, the spiritual history of Mexico starts to become crystal clear. And you start to see the violence in which the conquistadors brought the scriptures and the, the violent rejection of that from Native Americans and how violence was a, key, was, was a major factor and the scriptures coming to Mexico for the, for the very, I mean, if you watch the documentary from PBS, God in America, the continental United States in New Mexico is where the gospel, where, where the Bible, where, where Christians first come into uh, the Americas is in New Mexico, believe it or not. And ever since then, it's been violent. In 2 Kings, Elisha is surrounded by the Syrian army. And Elisha's servants freaking out. And Elisha says, don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha's servant's like, what are you talking about? Like, it's us and an army. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And it seemed as though God was just showing up in a spiritual and miraculous way. And that what was happening in the physical world was also had something also happening in the spiritual world, overlapping it. And so I got down with that volcano time, and I was like, whoa, you know, like, 
There was all kind of darkness, and I was kind of wigged out by the experience that I had with the Lord. And I went to coffee uh, with a pastor named Pastor Dave Bruscus. He was at a church called City in the Hill, and we walked down to this coffee shop. And I sat down with him, and so I'm new to Albuquerque. I'm just trying to figure it out. We think God's calling us to plant a church here. What's the enemy's scheme in Albuquerque? Because, you know, we're, we're, to, we're to recognize that our battle's not against flesh and blood. Our battle's against a scheming devil who's working and scheming all the time. I said, in South Florida, it was pretty clear to me, like I was a youth pastor for a number of years in South Florida for 13 years, and, and in Boca Raton, and in Fort Lauderdale, and, and the number one, the number one counseling thing I had to deal with was people's, you know, success addiction, and striving all the time, and everybody's always worn out, and wigged out, and, and the enemy just kept people busy all the time. It felt like the scheme was like, I'm just going to wear you out, and, and, and wear you down with all your busyness, and I was like, what is it in New Mexico? Is it that way too here? And Pastor Dave said, no, Satan is a butt kicker here. He says, you'll find a lot of people in Albuquerque who've had their butts handed to them by the enemy. And what he was trying to explain was that there's, just a, there's, a, there's a sort of a cultural depression. It seems like the enemy just sort of attacks people in New Mexico uniquely, Albuquerque uniquely. And to say it another way, I think the enemy's scheme is to attack hope. It's to sort of get people to believe that nothing will ever change, that nothing will ever get better, that it's not, it's not going to improve. And it seems to me that the, the enemy sometimes gets in our life, he just accuses us and says, you're always going to be in your brokenness. You're, you're never going to rise out of your brokenness. You'll never, you'll never come out of this. And if that's the, what the enemy's been speaking to you, I've got good news for you today. Because the enemy's already been defeated. That Jesus has already overcome him. And that he has no power here, and he has no power over our minds. His accusations have no power and no strength in our lives. You know, what's the enemy's scheme in America right now? That's an interesting question. I was, you know, rereading through Ephesians this week, and I was reading about Jesus, for he himself is our peace. He has made us both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and commandments expressed the ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. I'm like looking at the vision that Paul has in Ephesians for the church, a kind of place where, 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 where Jews and Gentiles experience oneness. People who are, who are enemies, either ethnically or religiously, or they had some other sort of, sort of thing dividing them that was also divided. Uh, visions of hostility and somehow within the church people came together uniquely as one new humanity and that vision of oneness is all over the pages of Ephesians and it seems where Jesus has torn down dividing walls of hostility people are trying to build up walls of hostility now I think this might be the work of the enemy because we have vaccine walls, we have mask walls, we have red walls, we have blue walls, we've even got woke walls and racist walls raising hostility between people Christ has come to bring together. It just seems like there's a lot of hostility out there. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, I want you to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This, there's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, belongs to, one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let me just press in here a little bit on the enemy's scheme. Maybe the enemy's scheme is something that's been at work in our city, in our country in the recent year, um, maybe the recent, last 20-something months, is to bring about disunity where Christ is bringing about unity. And it's happening in the city between churches even. 
I believe that the devil can disrupt oneness in Christians. He will have disrupted with the witness of the church. Because when Jesus prayed in John 17, and he prayed for you and he prayed for me, what did he pray for? Oneness. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me, through the words of the apostle. He's praying for us, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And somehow, Jesus says in his prayer, he says, somehow the oneness of the church brings about witness, and people believe when they see oneness. John Stott in his commentary says, is God's plan to create a new society? Then they will do their utmost to destroy it. They meaning the powers and principalities, the evil forces in the heavenly realms. Has God, through Jesus Christ, broken down the walls dividing human beings of different races and cultures from each other? The devil, through his emissaries, will strive to rebuild them. Does God intend his reconciled to redeem people to live together in harmony and purity? Then the powers of hell will scatter among them the seeds of discord and sin. You can see that at work. So what do we do? Well, we take on the strength of God. How do we take on the strength of God? Well, we are strengthened to combat the enemy's schemes with truth. And what he does is he uses a metaphor of a, of a soldier's uniform, probably because right, right when he's writing this, he's literally chained to a soldier, and so the soldiers are on his mind, and he goes, okay, I'll use this metaphor of truth. And so for we do not wrestle, the scripture says, against flesh and blood, against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt of truth kind of held the cloak up so you could be ready for action. Be ready. What are we watching for? What, what, are we, what, are we ready, what are we readying ourselves for with the truth? I thought Eugene Peterson said something wise here. He says, we're watching out for, what are we watching out for? What do we need deliverance from? We need deliverance from evil that doesn't look like evil. Evil that we're not likely to recognize as evil. So I think this is why we have to be experts in the truth. Like We have to really be dedicated to the truth of God's word. We've got to be experts in the truth so we can identify the evil when it comes. We can identify the deception when it arrives. Because you know, the enemy, Satan, disguises himself. Like He's not always you know, up front. And sometimes we might be holding on to something we think is true, but it's not really jiving with the biblical truth, the things that are eternally true. And so we've got to be looking for the things that, you know, we've got to have a cunning dis- deceiver. I'll give you one that's easy to believe and easy to trust in, and most Americans do. Uh, there, there's, there's no lie of the enemy more deadly than the lie of self-sufficiency. And the enemy tries to just weave this into American culture, weave this into your mind, and weave this into your energy to say, you know what, you can do it on your own. And that message of you can do it on your own, or you should do it on your own, or if you can't do it on your own, you're a failure, that kind of messaging is satanic and evil. The gospel is not the good news of self-sufficiency. It is the good news of Jesus' sufficiency. And so when you read the text, we're not, we're not told, you go out and be strong. That's not what we're told. Listen, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. It's His strength. That's what we, it's not a call to self-sufficiency. And in fact, this three-word combo, a strong strength and might, is an echo of a three-word combo he uses earlier when he points to the strength and might. You look at verses 19 and 20 of Ephesians 1. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? What is the working of his great might? What is the evidence of his power? How do we see his greatness? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. And so all these demonic forces think that they're in power, but Christ is really in power and he proved it when he raised from the dead and conquered death itself. He's seated at the right-hand throne of God. And so what, what, do we, what, what are we doing with this? Well, when you, when you come to those dark places in life, and you're going, I don't have the strength to do it, you have access to the Holy Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, who conquered sin and death itself, is on your side. The truth is that Jesus has covered all of your failures and has made a fool of Satan and his schemes. Made a fool. Uh, again from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church of Colossae. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. Listen, okay, listen. Uh, the, the enemy is listening in too, by the way, to the scripture being proclaimed here. Listen, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. How, how are they armed? With accusation. He disarmed the enemies and the rulers and authorities. He put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Look, we are strengthened to combat the enemy with gospel truth. We are strengthened to combat the enemy's schemes with righteousness, which we discover through embracing gospel truth. Stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We're called to both receive Christ's righteousness, I think, here, and also to live out our true and righteous identity. Commentators like sort of go both ways on interpreting this text. They'll say, you know, truth here doesn't say, it doesn't include the article, the truth, and it's not sort of specifically identifying a singular truth, but saying be a person of integrity and seek truth and give the enemy no foothold. So that, that could be a part of the conversation as we're reading through this text. Some commentators say put on the breastplate of righteousness means live a, a righteous life and don't give the enemy a foothold by living an unrighteous life and having reason to accuse you. That's certainly a part of the text here, but I think a main your idea of the text here is putting on the righteousness that you've received as a gift. And as you see it earlier in 424, put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So put on righteousness, Christ's righteousness, and wear that with pride. And the enemy will try to come into your life. He'll try to accuse. And he'll, try, he'll try to disrupt you. He'll try to rip you apart and tear you down. And when the enemy condemns you, you say, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You take the truth, and you apply the truth, and you put the truth on. You put on His righteousness. See, when the enemy says, you are all alone, you say, if God is for us, who can be against us? I'm not alone. i got Jesus on my side. 
If God sent His own Son to die for me, what would He withhold from me? And you just hold on to the Scriptures. See, when the enemy says, God doesn't love you, which He does say sometimes to some people, and they feel like, well, God loves other people, He just doesn't love me. Listen, when the enemy says, God doesn't love you, you say, for I am sure that neither death or life or angels or rulers or things present or things to come nor powers nor height or depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you put on the right you put on the truth when the enemy says look at your failures you say where sin increased grace abounds all the more see when we put on righteousness we're putting on our new identity in Jesus this is who we are it's who we are in him for our sake God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on the cross so we might become the righteousness of Christ in him we received as a gift. The righteousness we put on is, is a gift, and we live out of that righteousness, and we live into that righteousness, and we, we are called to be righteous people, but we put on His righteousness. We receive His righteousness as a gift. And so we're strengthened for battle with truth. We're strengthened for battle with righteousness. We are strengthened to combat the enemy's schemes with the gospel of peace. And as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The shoes of your feet, be ready to go out to, to preach and proclaim and to demonstrate the peace of God's kingdom. See, the gospel of peace is the good news of the reign and rule of Jesus in His kingdom. This is the message Jesus came to preach. He came and He preached. Peace to you who are far off and, and, and peace to those who are near. He came and preached a message of peace. Isaiah 52 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation and says uh, uh, on Zion, or says to Zion, your God reigns. Like it's, it's putting on display and living under the reign and rule of God. And by the way, when you receive the, the, the message of Jesus, what, what are you receiving? When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, what are you, what are you receiving? You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. He reigns, He rules over me, over my life, and I'm here to demonstrate His reign and rule to the world. Not by my power, but by His. We did not ascend out of our brokenness to escape in peace. Jesus descended into our brokenness to create peace. That's the message of the Bible. The self-reliant message is rise up, do it on your own strength, but the Christian message is Christ came down because you were weak. And he was strong for you. And Christian people aren't looking to escape the brokenness because that's not what our Savior did. We're looking to engage the brokenness. Feet ready for gospel of peace. I think the enemy wants you to despair in the brokenness that Christ has, come to over, that Christ has already overcome. Like I think the enemy wants you to despair in it. He wants you to take the sandals off and say, there's nothing left to do, man. This brokenness is already taking me. You know, just... Just give up on that. I think a lot of people find themselves in that place in life where the despair of the moment, the evil day comes, and, we get, and they just go, you know what? How, how could God ever create peace here? Why do I even strap on these sandals for the gospel of peace? Like, why do I even bother? Like, this is not a new feeling. Jesus says to his disciples, I've said these things to you, 
that in me you may have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble. Like, just hear this. Jesus promised, in the world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Like, take heart, I've overcome the world. And so we, we, ha- we have strength for the battle. We have strength for the battle with truth. We have strength for the battle. Oh, man, we have strength for the battle with righteousness. We have strength for the battle with the gospel of peace. And we have strength to combat the enemy's schemes with faith. In all circumstances, take, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And he does fire those darts. And the darts of the enemy tend to be accusations about our failures. That's what the enemy tends to do. So look at what you've done. Look at how you failed. Look at how you're, you know, and it's accusation. This will never get better. You'll never get better. This will never be, you know, and, and that's the way the enemy works. And we have to go back to the, the original genius of the text. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not, by, it's not by your works. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. So nobody can boast and brag about it. Man, this is, a, this is God's doing, not your doing. And so when the enemy accuses you, saying, look at what you've done, what your response should be is, look at what Jesus has done. Because I'm not saved by what I've done. I'm saved by what he's done. I'm not saved by, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm no longer condemned by what I've failed to do because he's done everything for me that I have failed to do. He's transformed me. And by the way, when you experience that kind of kindness, it moves you, man. It moves you. It moves you to generous life. It moves you to love others the way Christ has loved you. And Christians don't do good to get to God. We do good because God has gotten to us. And what happens is when God has gotten to you, man, it transforms you. And, and, the, and the, the passage continues. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so when, when, he, when, he, when he has rescued you and saved you, He's empowered you and equipped you. So the enemy fires those darts at you and you hold the shield of faith and go, nah, I don't boast in my resume, I boast in his. And those darts go right out. You step out in faith and you push forward. And What happens is God strengthens you. He strengthens you to combat because, well, he's, he saved you. He saved you. Take the helmet of salvation. Guard your mind. It's what the enemy wants anyway. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're engaged in a battle, listen, friend, that Jesus has already won, and you need to set that in your mind. Set that in your mind. We're engaged in a battle that Jesus has already won. Uh, when I was in youth group, we used to sing this song about Romans 16, 19. I don't know if anybody's ever was, like, if this was just my youth group that did this, but we used to sing... Um, Romans 16, 19 says, be excellent. For God is good, be innocent of evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. And we go, yeah. (laughs) This is the truth of the scriptures. For your obedience is known to all. So I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good, innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. When you, when you believe and know that because of Jesus you're more than a conqueror, what happens is the enemy fires those fiery darts, he tries to take a swipe at your head, and you're just like, my salvation is secure. My Lord's a victor. 
He rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death. He put the enemy to open shame. We're strengthened to combat the enemy's schemes of the Word of God. This kind of bookends the, the idea, the truth, and the Word of God. So the belt of truth and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, are similar themes, similar ideas. So we take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And God's Word is not only good for our defense, as in putting on righteousness and putting on the helmet of salvation and the belt of truth, it's also good for offense. And, and you should be skilled in the Word of God. You should be. For the Word of God is living, it's active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's Word is a sword. I'll just... I didn't write this in my notes and whatever. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of talk in the world right now about, you know, deconstructing church and that kind of thing. And, you know, I think it's good that we study the Word together in community like this. And I think it's good that we sit uh, and, and we look at the text and we study the text. But this is, this is, not, this is not all that you need battle like this this 37 minute talk is not all that you need for the tussle like you need to be in the word of God like you need to be and I, I can't that's something as a pastor I can just say to you like you need to like pick up the gospel of John today it's a short the shortest of the gospels and just start reading because there might come a day where the accusation happens, or the evil day happens, and you need strength, and you need to stand with the strength of His might, and if you, don't have, you just don't have access to it, then, then it's not going to be there for you. And when you need to be offensive with the Word of God and go, nope, that's false, that's not true, and here's the Word of God, I know why it's not true. Like, you, if you don't have that going on in your life, then please, my friend, do it. Like, get the 40 days deal, read through the book of Acts with us, start whenever you want to start. There's a reading guide there that's easy to do. And as you're reading, like, think, man, how does this word, what is, what is eternally true here? What needs to stick here? What needs to come into my heart here? Once you've suited up in the full armor of God, there are two more things you can do. You can pray and you can proclaim. Praying at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication. Tight end, keep alert. With all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Praying for each other. Hmm... Okay, let me just say this. Like you need, to be, you need to be hanging out with unbelievers. You need to be hanging out with people who are far from God. You need to have close friends of people who are far from Jesus. But what you, what you also really need, friend, what you really need is you need a close community of people who know and love Jesus and who are praying for you. 
And when you don't know what the Word of God says and how the Word of God addresses that dark and evil day, you, you, if you have community of friends, if you're, going, if you're in a community group and you've got a community of friends and you show up to that community group, I do this. I show up to the community group. We've done this recently. where We had some dark day moments recently. We showed up to the community group and go, hey, we, I need help processing this. I need to talk through this. Will you pray for me? What truth of the Word of God applies to this? And you need that in community. All right, soapbox. Also for me. That words may be given to, to, to me in opening my mouth to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Okay, I'll say that. If you, pray, if you prayed for it, if you prayed for it like the Apostle Paul, if you ask, Lord, give me an opportunity to talk about Jesus this week, I believe the Lord will do it. Uh, God has given you a message to proclaim. And if you ask the Lord for an opportunity to share the message, then I believe the Lord will do it. And the Apostle Paul seems to have confidence that that'll be so. Okay, to be strong and withstand evil days, you need strength beyond your strength. That's the, that's the point. You need strength beyond your strength. And Ephesians 6 says, here's how you do it. The belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, sword of spiritual is the word, the shield of faith, boots of the gospel of peace. You need the helmet of salvation. You need to suit up and get ready. But it's not about you doing anything. It's about, being, it's about finding strength in Him. It's about finding strength in Him. So, Father, my prayer for us all today is that we would be strong in you. Um, I mean, just being fully honest with you, Father, just with all of us here, just kind of listen, listening in. Uh, sometimes I'd rather be the one that overcomes. Like I, I, like, I like the credit that comes with overcoming. I like the feeling of being strong personally. I don't like to confess that I'm weak. If I'm, if I'm honest, that I'd want, I want to I I get through it through my own power. And so I just ask that you forgive me for my arrogance, my pride, and not seeing what's plain, which is this world is too dark for me to overcome. And there are dark and evil days that far exceed my power and capacity. So I need your strength. Boy, do I need your strength. There's probably somebody here, Father, right today, listening online or here in person that is facing the evil day. Holy Spirit, would you just manifest yourself in strength in their life right now? Counsel them and the inner being, comfort them, remind them that they're not alone, remind them that Jesus has risen from the dead, that we are more than conquerors in him, like remind them that you're a good father, that you love, you love them. So Father, I, I, I don't know how it works, I really don't, but I'm willing to receive your strength because I need it. And I pray that you'd give it 
just freely and boldly today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.